Welcome to Native Notion, a gaming podcast that isn't afraid to talk anything and everything. Here's your host, Klamath. Yo, 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 what's good? What's good to you? What's really good, everybody? I appreciate the fact that you came out today. Today, we're going to be discussing some recent events that happened, and I hope that you're willing to stick with me. I'm going to be discussing as many facts as I can possibly discuss, giving my input on that. Hopefully, I can portray myself appropriately that describes exactly what I understand that happened, how I feel about it, and where that brings us at today. Um, If you have not heard, which, honest to God, at this point, it would really surprise me if you had not heard, we've had a couple of events that have happened in recent weeks that have really brought attention to one side of a story that is ongoing and has been ongoing for a really, really long time. Um, It keeps bringing up certain aspects that we, as people, continue to argue for and against. Um, Ultimately, it is where you land on the line in relation to that. Um, There's going to be extreme sides to every story. Uh, I try to eliminate both of those because, ultimately... The extreme aspects aren't necessarily what it is that you want to use to your points. Um, but you still have to discuss these kind of things. It's not like we can ignore it and it and it goes away, right? That's that's not how any of this works. Most people out there understand that there is a period that goes along with this where you have to evaluate, right? There's a reflection aspect that's associated with this. There's the point where you actually discuss the talk, talking points. I want to discuss these things because they are important to me. I fall on either side of the argument that's associated with it. I'm not an extremist in one way or another when it comes to that, but these do really, really, really touch something that matters to me. On May 14th, 2022, a young gentleman drove three and a half hours from his small hometown to a grocery store by the name of Tops and opened fire on the residents that were inside of this location. Details have come out from this period where uh, this, this gentleman, there's a lot more going on inside of this scenario than what met the eye initially. Um, for one, he's 18 years old and has access to these, uh, these items that, are, that helped him get this situation. That is one side of the story, right? I'm not going to ignore that side of it. Also, um, looking back at it, it sounds like this, this young person had planned this, which is insane to think about. Uh, how anybody could possibly come to this point truly baffles me because it doesn't make any sense. Nothing about this makes a whole lot of sense at all. That's what is confusing for all of this. Uh, this gentleman, when he walked into the grocery store, uh, they said that he was wearing tactical equipment. However, he wasn't wearing body armor. He was wearing a helmet, so he did disguise himself uh, in that sense. Um, and he, uh, he showed a bias towards black people that were in that community. And that's the big thing that's come back from this. 
Uh, he has documentation that have openly shown that he's racist. And his motive behind this was completely and utterly racist. Uh, I, I don't get that. How does somebody get to that point? I, I, I mean, we've all lived through these points, right? I understand the struggles that come along with being in the pandemic and not being able to go out and express yourself and not being able to go do things, um, being limited in what you're capable of doing in that sense. I understand that as a teenager, you're often going to feel alone in, in a lot of your situations and, and these generally are going to push you to, to lean one way or another towards things, right? But never, ever, ever could I understand how somebody could get to that point, right? That is incredible to me to think about that. Uh, that he ended up shooting 13 people and um, 11 of the people that he had shot were black. Uh, he has a 180-page manifesto that came out that was discovered. Uh, I, I believe it was published prior to this. Anyway, it was discovered um, describing what his thought processes were, right? Uh, so that, that while it's wild to think that something like this can happen and it doesn't make any sense, this is actually explaining his full thought process behind these points, which... I, I can't put myself in that situation, right? That, that is, there's an evil aspect that is associated with this, right? For somebody that wants to do that, right? But there are just such extreme aspects that are associated with doing this that it will never be able to comprehend how you get to that point. Uh, ultimately, it really, really, really looks like a hate crime. Uh, this this gentleman, he had an AR-15 that was modified, uh, legally purchased from a gun shop in, near his hometown. Um, the parts to modify it were likely purchased online, if I'm understanding what it was, what happened. The ammo for a lot of this was purchased uh, in Pennsylvania, which was not very far from his hometown. Um, so th there. There were some aspects associated with this that weren't necessarily, it's not like there was a one point in time that somebody saw this and said, oh, this, we could have seen this happening. Um, there are other aspects of this that you really look at it from a hindsight point of view and you're like, bruh, how did you not see that kind of situation? Uh, he, he had the AR-15, like I mentioned, he had a rifle that was purchased by his father and given to him for Christmas in 2020 that was intended for hunting uses. It sounded like he also did hunting with his family. And then he had a shotgun, um, which is uh, pretty normal depending on its use that you have behind it that could have been used for home defense. Um, that shotgun could have been um, a part of a different type of hunting that he was doing or something of that nature. Those don't, uh, those don't scream somebody that was planning on doing something like this. Um, modifying the AR is, is actually not abnormal. That is pretty common among people who do this kind of stuff. Um, the high capacity magazine aspect was a part of that. Um, understand that 
in order to do certain things with firearms, you have to register your weapon as part of that. I know some people that uh, that do this kind of stuff fairly normally. Um, they do it more for the ability to uh, modify and sell to other people um, through licensed firearms dealers. Understand that point. Um, but they they have to register everything that they do with government um you want to put a silencer on a weapon you have to register the silencer in of itself so the serial number that is registered with it you have to register that then you have to register that you're using it on the firearm that you're putting it on right there's there's paperwork behind everything they, they literally track everything if you're doing this the correct way um it, every aspect of it will <laughs> will be documented and i can assure you that they're constantly looking at you when it comes to that kind of stuff and on top of that, the, the times that you apply for these licenses to be able to do this kind of stuff, um, generally speaking, the paperwork in of itself is the paperwork. You have to fill out the information that is associated with it. Um, and sometimes that can take you a little bit of time depending on what it is that they're asking for. But you process the paperwork, you make your payment to be able to do that. And, and from the day that you submit your paperwork, it's about a year time before you get your license approved for that. That's a that's actually a really long time, and it, and it speaks to, um, like the process that's put in place when you're doing this legally. Now, not everybody's gonna follow that timeline. That is true in every situation. If there's a if there's a law in place, if there's a rule that has been put in, somebody's gonna break it. Uh, that. You're not going to stop that. That is a normal part of our society. Um, but oftentimes you will find that people that are doing this are doing it the right way with the intentions of using it correctly. Um, now, that being said, why anybody needs a high capacity magazine on a semi-automatic rifle uh, or even a fully automatic rifle, which is less common, like really less common. Um, I, I don't completely understand the point. I am a, uh, I am a firearm owner. I have it with me, um, when I'm traveling, generally speaking, not on airplanes, but talking about, um, doing my normal stuff. Um, because I run into situations in my life that have dictated like, Hey, you need to protect yourself. There are things that are happening in this world that you can't control. Um, but in, in the long run of things you have to be able to do something in the event that you're forced into that situation um, recognize the point that i have no intention of ever using my firearm outside of practicing with it being good with it um and having it around but uh it in the event that i ever have to use it i i will have it with me i hope to god that i never have to though um but I did, I did the whole process. I researched the firearm that I wanted. I found a local dealer that, was, uh, that is officially licensed to sell to me. Um, I filed the paperwork in order to be able to uh, even purchase it. I went and I spoke with the gentleman who asked me a whole ton of questions about why it is that I was, uh, I was looking to purchase the firearm. Um, he let me obviously hold it, um, feel it. He showed me 
the magazines that came with it, um, he offered me ammo, range ammo, uh, if I wanted to purchase it, which I did purchase a small amount, I think 50 rounds or something of that nature. Because um, at the time, ammo was wildly, wildly expensive. Uh, and he was offering a decent deal on that. Um, so then I purchased it. Uh, that paperwork that he took from there, he submitted to the county. Um, that the county took three weeks from when uh, I submitted that paperwork to him to be able to say, like, hey, you are now the registered owner of this firearm. I then had to go to the sheriff's office and I submit paperwork stating that I indeed was the owner of this firearm. While I was there, I actually uh, applied for the concealed carry license or permit, depending on how you look at it, which is through the, the local sheriff's office. So now they have they ran a background check on me and made sure that uh, I, I was good to go. Ultimately, um, because of my history being in the U.S. military um, and uh, where I have been, the things I've done in my life, um, most of the information about me is fairly public knowledge and it's not hard to find in that sense. So, and if what I was doing wasn't considered an extreme action, so there is that. Um, I paid for it, and I think it was two months later, they sent me a card that, that had my information on it, which legally gave me uh, the ability to carry this uh, firearm on me uh, at, in, at certain points, right? Understand, there, there are places and times that you're not allowed to do this. I cannot carry a firearm into a location that sells alcohol. That is utterly illegal to do that. Um, I'm not taking it into schools or onto school property. That is definitely not something that you're ever going to see and it and ultimately can get you jailed. Right? That's a big deal, things like that. Um, there are places you're not going to go with it. And I don't and I'm very much about the laws that are associated with that. Um, but I have it in the event that I need it. Somebody could ask me, like, why do you feel the need that you have to have a firearm in order to protect yourself? Why is that such an American thing for you to have to do? Well, I grew up in a bad neighborhood. Um, and, and understand where I live wasn't necessarily the bad neighborhood, but the surrounding areas were. Uh, as a young child, I was in the middle of a very bad neighborhood where um, like people, there, there were shootings that happened on the road that I lived on. Um, I was outside playing on the the sidewalk one time, and I heard loud bangs coming from down the road. This was a long straight road, um, and it was only, you know, like two and a half cars wide and whatnot. Anyway, um, there were people driving down the road shooting at each other, two cars, right? So I, I'm I'm like six years old at this point. I I jumped over my fence that was in the front yard. I just laid on the ground. Uh, the only thing that I knew how to do was to try to make myself as low profile as possible so that way I could not be uh, inadvertently or purposely hit. Um, and it went by without incident, um, but there were, there were bullet holes above where I was laying on the ground in the fence line, right? Uh, that, that's the neighborhood that I grew up in. That's not an, an example of of that's exactly why I got it. You know, I was six years old at the time. Uh, I'm in my late 30s now. Um, no, no, but it definitely is a contributor in that sense. Um, I was nine years old, I believe it was, and I was playing at my cousin's house who lived in a 
a very gang-infested neighborhood. Um, and we were out, it was a cul-de-sac at the bottom of a hill. We are outside playing in the street together, and all of a sudden you just hear this, bah, 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 and then, I mean, it just rang on and on and on, right? Um, it's very, very, very disturbing uh, to, to hear all of that going on. But also, I, I didn't know what it was, right? I'm, my parents don't own firearms. My, my dad's a felon, so that he, you know, he's not allowed to. <laughs> um, but they, they didn't own firearms. My brother doesn't own any, to my knowledge. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, right? But it wasn't a part of our family growing up or anything like that. Not to mention we were in California. It's a lot harder to get firearms in that area than where I live now. Um, but... We, we were outside, obviously, there were sirens that came up, ambulance, police, uh, fire trucks showed up at this location. It was at an apartment complex that was adjacent to where we were on this cul-de-sac. This cul-de-sac was huge. Um, and turned out there was, a, there was a gentleman that he was involved in a local gang and something happened and he got chased and got to his door and the door was locked and three people shot and killed him with like 37 shots or something like that. I don't, it, it was, I don't remember the exact details behind it. Um, I remember this point of it, but, uh, it, they brought him out on the stretcher. Obviously. I mean, he, this gentleman was dead, uh, through and through. I don't, I don't know if they did or did not catch the people that shot and killed him. I very unlikely though, uh, given the area. Um, but they had his, they had his face uncovered. Um, uh, as they wheeled him out on, on the stretcher, right? And there were bullet holes on his face, and I got to see that. Uh, which, that, at nine years old, that was traumatic. That was extremely traumatic. I, I slept with my light on for years after that point. I, you do not understand that aspect, how, how much that affected me. Um, there, there, that has an effect, right? So there's, like, part number two. Um, I didn't have anything huge happen after that point. I mean, some, there were some things that happened in my life that, that is what it is, but no gun related incidents in any kind, um, until I was 18 or 19, I was on the, or I was waiting at the trolley station to go take the trolley to get to work. I worked at a gas station. I worked overnights at that point. Um, this was in the town that I grew up in. And these two dudes that uh, that came up to me were local uh, gang members, and I knew it by the tattoos that they had. I recognized them and everything like that. One of them asked me. Um, he asked me for my money, it, which at eighteen or nineteen years old, I I didn't have any money. I was broke, um, and I I told him as such, like, hey man, I don't have any money. The only thing I have is my bus pass, and it's the only way that I'm able to get to and from work, so I can pay the bills that I do have. But otherwise, I have zero money. Um, the, he reached into his pocket at that point, which his, uh, his buddy that was next to him came up to him, grabbed him by his jacket and said, Hey, Hey, nah, he doesn't have anything. Let's leave him alone. Um, I don't know what's going to happen in that situation. I, there's two dudes that very well could have done something. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a situation where I just looked back and I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, I didn't, I didn't have anything to give you. And I, I, very well could have been killed in that scenario because I didn't have anything to give, even though I had nothing to give. Um, yeah. I, and <laughs> it's like, 
uh, a bus pass at that point was like, I think it was 20 bucks for the entire month or something like that. So, um, I, I was really, really, really broke. Anyway, it's every, every kid's life at like basically 18, 19 years old, right? You're figuring it out from there. Um, and then there are situations where, you know, like I've been in areas where gunshots have gone off and, and whatnot. Um, I've never been directly involved in any of those. As a, as a kid, I had a gentleman that, uh, we were playing in a field. Um, gosh, I had, I had to have been like seven or eight years old at the point. Uh, we were playing in a field and, um, we weren't doing anything, but we were being kids and this field was adjacent to his home. He pulled a rifle on us. Uh, I, I don't know why we ran. Uh, he did not fire. Um, he was an older gentleman. Um, we ran to the local, this was back when payphones were around, so we ran to the, the local uh, convenience store and called 911. Cops came and picked us up. It was me and three friends. Uh, they picked us up and took us to the gentleman's house. They approached the door. They confiscated his weapon and questioned what happened. I don't think the gentleman was uh, was arrested. He, he said that we were throwing rocks at his house, which is a complete and utter lie. Um, but, I don't know, it was weird. So, um, but fast forward to being an adult, um, I was on my way into work one night, and this was less than a year ago, I think, maybe maybe a little over a year ago. Yeah, the timeline is a little fuzzy, but it wasn't terribly long ago. Um, it was a rainy night that night. Uh, I was going in for graveyard shift, so I was going into work at 10 p.m. Uh, it was probably 9.45 at the time that this happened. I got off the highway, I going my normal route to work, turned right. There is a neighborhood on the, the right-hand side with an outlet from that neighborhood that is maybe 500 feet from where I got off the highway. Um, as I'm approaching this, I'm on the main stretch, so I have the right-of-way. There's a car coming off the right-hand side through the neighborhood that is speeding, and in, very obviously speeding. I came to a complete stop before getting to that intersection because I did not want to risk being T-boned. I didn't know if they were going to stop. They did end up coming to a complete stop. Um, mind you, they, they broke really hard. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I'm glad I did stop, right? I'd rather be safe than sorry in that situation. Um, once they stopped, I moved up to the light. I'm in the right-hand lane. There's two lanes going forward. There's a turn lane in the middle. Um, they turn in behind me and get into the left turn lane. At the intersection, light turns green for me, but not for them. I think it's probably a timing scenario. Um, and I go down the hill. And as I'm getting towards the bottom of the hill, there's a light up ahead of me that I'm going to be turning right at. I look in my rearview mirror, and I notice that the car that was at that situation was behind me now. Um, so when I, I realized that, I'm like, that's weird. They were in the left turn lane. Why are they behind me now? I don't understand. Whatever. Um, so then I make a right-hand turn at the light up ahead of me to go up the hill to where my work is located. Uh, it's maybe a, 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 an eighth of a mile from that point. It's really not far. Anyway, a thousand feet, you know, I don't know, whatever. Um, so as I come up the hill, I real, or as I, as I go down this road, I realize that they had made a right-hand turn behind me. And I'm like, from where they were going to turn left versus where their neighborhood was. I, I assume it was their neighborhood. It may not have been. I don't know. They could have been passing through the area. There's not. There's only a couple inlets, and there's only a couple of outlets to that area. It's not a through kind of area. Anyway, um, but I'm like, why are they behind me? I don't... Who knows, man? Plans change. Maybe they're, they're circling around to get back to that neighborhood. That is entirely possible. 
I get up the hill. I make a left to get to the uh, parking lot where my work is located. And this car comes to a complete stop in the middle of the road where I had just made a left at behind me. Uh, I don't open my window. I am curious as to what is going on because I do not understand. I see it is dark and it is raining at this point, mind you. But I see the window go down. I see a arm stick out and there is a firearm being pointed at me. I don't know what I've done. I didn't do anything in this situation. I didn't provoke anybody. I didn't flash my brights. I didn't honk my horn. I wasn't screaming out my window. I, d I didn't throw fingers or hands or nothing. I came to a stop so that way if they went through the intersection, they wouldn't hit me. And I, so therefore they were safer and I was safer. I, d I didn't look over at them once we got into, I uh, got up to the light up ahead or anything like that, but now they were pointing a firearm at me. And I don't know why. I'm so confused. I, I, there's nothing I can do. I don't have any form of self-defense at this point. Um, if they decide to open fire in, into my truck, I can only hope that they are an awful shot and there's nothing that I can do uh, or, or nothing that they can do, right? Fire a couple of shots in my, in my area, completely miss me. And then they go on because most people that perform stuff like this, they, they do it on emotional type of responses and then they want to leave the area completely. Um, and, and nothing happened in that situation. They, they pulled their gun back into their car, they rolled up the window and they drove off and they turned in the neighborhood up ahead. Uh, I, I, I'm baffled. I am completely and utterly baffled. What did I do? Why am I in this situation? I, I don't understand that point, right? It doesn't make sense. That was a breaking point for me. Um, after, at that point, I decided like, hey, I need, some, I need something to protect myself in these situations where I don't have any opportunity to correct everything, right? Uh, <laughs> where I'm not, I'm not going out looking for trouble or anything like that. Trouble found me in this situation. Um, yeah, and, and that happened. There was a, a, a young lady um, that works at my work. I don't know her. She's, she works in a different department altogether. Um, she's leaving work, and it's like 1130 at night. She pulls out onto the main road where um, that, that there's a four-way stop uh, stoplight right outside my work, and some guy pulled up next to her and shot her four times. She uh, she survived luckily, but she got shot in the neck, in the side, in the shoulder, um, and then the stomach or something like that. But why, why did it happen? That that gentleman ended up taking off and and he actually hit somebody, a pedestrian that was on the sidewalk about. 10 blocks away from where we were located and was arrested at that point. Um, but why? It doesn't make any sense. It, it's so confusing. So back to this Buffalo deal. Uh, this, this kid, this guy, hit, at 18 years old, has a 180-page manifesto describing what it is he believes to be the downfall of the white race and how he wants to take action on into his own hands to prevent that from being the case. Um, I believe I heard a stat from Glock not terribly long ago. That was something like, according to the 2020 census, whites make up like 73% of the population in the United States. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that believes that they're becoming the minority race. And that was his thought process, right? This guy, he completely and utterly documented everything that was associated with this. Um, it was 
it's racially motivated. It's racially charged, right? Uh, there, there's so much that goes that goes into this. Um, that in, includes things like, hey, this this kid, when he was 17 years old, was investigated for some mental health reasons because he wrote murder and suicide in a school paper that he submitted online. Um, and, and he he was picked up by the local police. It was correctly documented and, and reported by his teacher. Um, he he was picked up, taken to a local hospital. Sounds like the, the hospital was completely overwhelmed and he sat in an emergency room for a few hours before having a 15-minute interview discussing what it is that his mental thought process was. And uh, and that was it. Um, there, but there was a couple of situations where it's like he he did and said some things that that were extremist type of stuff that were potentially red flags. Um, could it, looking back at it, at it, could this have been prevented? Yeah, it could have. Uh, and I think you know people that were involved in the situation are probably regretting that they didn't do more in that situation. Um, I I don't I don't necessarily um, fully understand uh, what they did, nor what it is that they could have done more. Um, I'm not naive in, in saying that, like, oh well, you you had a chance to stop them right here and you didn't do it. Clearly, you weren't doing your job and everything like that. I, I mean, there's a there's a lot more to that situation. It is not just looking at it from a black and white perspective. There's a whole lot of gray that's associated with that. In any case, um, he also he had a private Discord server with some friends that he um, the day before or that that day of he invited uh, some friends into and they shared some information. Uh, Discord has been cooperative with the police, um, and I'm guessing this is federal because it, there is terrorism and racism aspects that are associated with this. Um, but that information hasn't been made public to my knowledge. Um, and uh, he also live stream on Twitch. Um, I guess I, I didn't see it, uh, and it has been it has been removed from all platforms. Where uh, it's basically like the first two minutes of where um, he drives up to the grocery store. Um, you can hear him talking to himself, trying to convince himself to do it, uh, which obviously he he eventually did, and. Uh, and then he's like walking up and this is before he opens his first shots it was two minutes long from what i understand before twitch got a, got notified of this and immediately removed it from their platform um i'm sure they have also shared what they have because they're um, it would be dumb to think that twitch doesn't have recordings of everything that people are doing and submitting them as evidence in certain scenarios um yeah and and he committed a brutal, brutal act, um, something that should definitely not have happened, and, and something that is a travesty. Um, he, he targeted people of a different skin color because what he believed to be something that was the case, right? Um, there's information that's coming out saying like he believed what he was reading on the internet. Uh, yeah, the, the internet is it's a highway for information. It's never going to be the um always the right information or always the wrong information um but the situation applies that um 
he he can find that information that he's looking for that can fit his argument. That's called confirmation bias, in case you're wondering. You can look for anything on any situation, and um, it will. You can find what it is that will confirm your thought process. That's that's what makes information on the internet really dangerous. Um, there's a lot of bad information out there, right? So, it, yeah. Uh, that I, when I heard about that, I was like, "You've got to be kidding me, right? Like, what would bring somebody to the situation?" My heart hurts so much hearing about this kind of stuff um it it, it I, I don't have the words to necessarily describe my my feelings behind that i i don't get it i don't understand he has since been um he's been arraigned and pleaded not guilty to uh murder in the first degree uh which wild to me to think that he would even do that um but you know it is what it is it there's i don't think they're going to work with him to try to make a deal so he pleads for this kind of stuff i think this is going to go to the supreme court and uh and they're going to hash it out via litigation um they have not charged him with hate crimes or terrorism yet but i feel like that's coming um the district attorney i'm, I'm sure it's a u.s district attorney that's going to be doing that so keep in mind that this this could be years worth of litigation. Uh, in the meantime, I'm sure he is being held in a private cell. Um, they they told or they have said that he is on suicide watch, and uh, there are cameras that are in his cell, so they can see any time that he's doing anything. They're keeping a close eye on him, um, but you can rest assured that he's not going to be released into the general population of a prison, at least yet. Um, to while he's awaiting trial um once he goes to trial if he is convicted it it wouldn't surprise me if there's uh if his lawyers are looking to um to argue that he should not go to general population it, it would be naive of anybody to think that if he showed up in general population an 18 year old kid maybe called a 20 year old kid who has racist ideology going into a location where it is predominantly the people that he hates, like, they don't know about it, right? Um, and, and <laughs> it, it, yeah, I mean, I don't think that kid would last a day in general population in prison. So, it, it, yeah, he's probably going to be in, end up being in a, in a single location, to be honest. Yeah, I mean... It, I don't even remember if the death penalty is a thing in New York. Um, I'm I'm trying to recall if it is. I, I don't think it is, uh, but it, chances are highly likely he's going to get life without the possibility of parole, which means he's going to sit in a room all by himself for the rest of his life because of the actions that he took. Um, and I think he deserves it. Right? I I really, really, really think he deserves it. I think that he should be on rations the entire time that he's in there. I believe that the rest of his life should be hard. He needs to uh he needs to regret getting into this situation and then he needs to pay back what it is that he he has caused, which he'll never be able to do, right? That's the thing about this situation, the whole um paying my debt to society. Um you you murdered 13 people. In cold blood, 
based on a situation where you thought uh, your thought process was correct. There, no. You are going to end up in, in prison and you're going to rot. And I, and I hope that it's a long, painful process for you. Moving on from that extreme point, um, we had another situation that occurred not but two weeks later, less than two weeks later, right? Um, and this situation for me hits quite a bit differently because of the people that were affected by this. Um, it's not to say that I don't feel pain for the people that experienced the, what happened before. Um, it just is different that is associated with that, right? Um, uh, there, there's all kinds of, uh, uh, questions and, um, answers that aren't being given and, and all kinds of stuff like that that's associated with it, uh, on May 24th, so that would be effectively a week ago, it was last Tuesday, a, another 18-year-old man, um, he went on to, uh, do one of the most despicable things that that you can do, in my opinion. Um, he had previously purchased uh, legally firearms um, with the intent of killing people. That that was his whole purpose, right? The there wasn't for hunting or anything of that nature. There was there's no speculation as to why or anything like that. There are some questions about whether or not he could afford it. Um, it is what it is in that sense. I don't. I don't always understand how people can afford things when they when they struggle in other aspects, right? But, um, yeah, it it is what it is in that sense. Um, in Uvalde, Mexico, which is a very small town, eighty miles west of San Antonio, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'm I'm confirming that point. Um. Yeah, yeah, it's 80 miles west of San Antonio. Um, on the 24th, the morning of the 24th, this 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 kid, uh, he decided that he had had enough, right? Enough was enough, he was going to do it. Um, and he went in, it sounded like he private messaged his girlfriend in the UK, I believe it was. Um, and said that he was going to shoot and kill his mother and then shoot a school up. Um, the young lady that he spoke to, um, from, my, from what I was able to read, contacted local police and informed them of what was happening. Now, the timeline that is associated with that, I don't know for sure. Um, but this, uh, this all kicks off around uh, 11.30 in the morning. Um, he walked up to his grandmother, I, I don't know the scenario behind that, but um, shot her in the face and then got in his truck and started driving at a high speed and erratically towards the school where he ended up. Um, I don't know if he intended to go to this particular school. It sounds like he had every intention of going to a school, um, but this is the one that he ended up at. Um, it, He's likely very emotional in this situation and ends up crashing into a ditch that is um, basically around the corner from where the school is located. The ditch is in front of a church. Um, he, 
I, I guess there was some people in the church who saw him crash, and then the gentleman got out of the vehicle or something like that, so they went out to approach him to make sure that he was okay. He started, or he pointed the gun at them, so they ran. I guess he fired a couple shots, did not hit them. Um, but at that point, escaped on foot towards the school. Um, this is where it gets, there's stories that are flying around everywhere about what actually happened. Um, it, there have been some stories that have been corroborated and some other ones that have been changed. Um, but at this point there was the original report came out that he exchanged gunfire with the, um, the officer that was at school and, uh, it, I'm guessing they took cover. It, that was the story anyway. And he ran and, and got into the school from there. Um, that has since been defeated in stating that the, the officer that was supposed to be at the school was not actually on the scene and never actually confronted the shooter. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's the polar opposite of that situation. Um, there's also a bunch of questions that, that initially come in. How does this, how does this kid with a gun on his hand or in his hands get into the school? How is that possible? Uh, that it, I, I mean, I'm figuring like these schools aren't necessarily like the safest place in the world or anything, anything like that, but they are certainly set up decently enough that they can prevent somebody from getting into the school without, uh, if, if they didn't want them to be there. Um, it has since been revealed that the reason that he was able to enter into the school is because there was a teacher that was inside that had propped open the back door, um, to sounds like to make a phone call or something. Uh, anyway, went out the back door, went back in to get their cell phone after they heard the shots across the street, came back outside, and the door was still open. And he was able to gain entry into the school via that door. Um, mind you, that teacher, I'm sure, feels awful. Uh, there's, there's nothing that we can do or say, no amount of consoling. Um, no amount of therapy that is going to go along with this teacher because uh, I surely believe that they will be getting therapy that's going to replace the guilt that they feel for that specific scenario. Um, that's, that's, I mean, there could not be a worse situation on something that you don't believe was an intentional action. And I, and I certainly don't believe that there is an intentional action associated with this. Um, the timeline that is associated with this is uh, another question. Um, so the, I found a, a timeline that was uh, posted, and I think it's pretty accurate in that sense. So it says that 1127, the exterior door where the shooter entered, is propped open by a teacher. At 1128, the suspect vehicle crashes, crashes into the ditch near the school. Um, 1128 again, the teacher runs into room 132 to retrieve a phone and runs back out the door. The door is left open. Um, that part, I don't, so I don't know why, maybe the teacher went out to have a smoke or something initially, and then they went to go get their phone. I don't know. Anyway, um, at a, a approximate time frame at 1128, two men at a funeral home hearing the crash. Um, so it was a funeral home, not a church, my, my mistake there. Um. Move towards the scene. They see a man exit the passenger side of the car with a gun and a backpack. They start running back, after which the shooter fires at them, but misses. Um, at 11.29, the teacher picks, uh, panics and goes back into school, apparently to call 911. Um, and there's, like, uh, I, they didn't say how many phone calls came, 
from this, but there were multiple phone calls that came during this time frame from people in the school that were describing the situation to the 911 operator. Um, yeah. So at 11.30, called a 911 reporting a crash and a man with a gun. Upon hearing the report, the school resource officer immediately races towards the school. Okay, so this is where the, um, the officer that's supposed to be on the school is informed, right? Which is approximately two minutes after the crash happens and thus the first shots were fired. Um, I don't, I mean, you could say races towards the school and that he's there in five to ten minutes. I don't know. I don't know the timeline associated with that, um, but you know that he's not there. So that defeats the purpose behind what was initially said, that he exchanged fire with him, because he did. Um, that, that, caused a, that caused some hysteria that the, the police officers were afraid of the fact that he had an automatic rifle, uh, an AR-15, um, but it actually didn't happen, which is a story in of itself. One that doesn't have any answers either. So far, at least, why, why the officer wasn't there. Anyway. Um, at 11.31, suspect reaches the last row of the vehicles in the school parking lot. Hiding behind a vehicle, he fires at the building. Okay. This is, these are the first shots that go towards the school. Uh, I'm sure this is reported. Uh, again, at 11.31, the school resource officer drives past the suspect and goes to the back of the school, approaching someone he believes is a suspect, but is actually a teacher. That timeline doesn't make any sense. Um, he is less than a minute away. Um, and I can see the point where he drives past the suspect because maybe the suspect is hiding and he doesn't see the suspect. I don't, I don't suspect that the information flow that is coming at that point is exactly accurate. Uh, then he approaches somebody that is actually an employee. Uh, that, that officer probably spends a good amount of time at this school. Um, how you don't know the teachers or the employees. I'm not exactly sure. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, 1132. Uh, more shots are fired towards the school. 11.33, the suspect enters the school. So five minutes after the crash, he goes into the school. Uh, and that's where he begins shooting in rooms 111 and 112, where they suspect that more than 100 rounds were fired. There is a report from one of the students in the area. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if it is somebody that... Um, was on the phone or somebody that's since had the chance to report it. Uh, but the report came out and said he looked towards the uh, group of children and said, today is the day you die. Uh, that, yeah, there's, um, how do you say that to a child? Right? Uh, excuse me as I'm getting emotional here, right? But how do you say that to a child? I have never in my life, right, in my nearly 40 years on this world, never in my life experienced a situation where I, I, I thought that a child should die, right? There's nothing about what a child does, nothing. And I say this as somebody who is also a parent and has experienced a lot of sleepless nights and, and uh, frustrating aspects and everything like that, that never. How do you say that to somebody? 
How do you say how do you say that to a child when you when you're looking at them? Right? I I don't I, I don't completely understand how that happens. Um yeah, it is insane to think about that, right? Um I have spent many many uh I I don't even know how long. Um just just enough time emotionally trying to understand what happened and um i don't that uh i i oh, man i feel so bad i i these these children have done nothing absolutely nothing to deserve this there's not a single thing that they've done in their lives that would ever look back at them and say, you know what, probably a good thing that this happened, you know, zero things, right? These kids have done nothing. And most of the reports that have come out since then have said that these kids were actually really good. They were <laughs> outstanding students, great friends, full of life, enjoyment. And this 18-year-old son of a bitch, excuse my language, took everything that they had from them. 19 children, 19 of them, between 2nd and 4th grade, so that is 8 and 10 years old, were shot and killed in this situation. There were two parents, excuse me, um, two teachers that were also shot and killed. Um, every report that I have ever seen in these situations has been that a teacher is going to step in front of their students because in a teacher's mind those students mean more than to them than anything else right um the, those teachers may or may not be parents uh but that is a that is wholly commendable in every situation where where a teacher feels the the need to step in front of their students to protect them, right? That is how a parent should feel. Um, that, that is, you know, you're, you're going to go in and you're going to put your life behind their life, right? You're, you're going to take action that means that they can continue on no matter what. And that's exactly what these teachers did. They died in, the, in that situation. Um, they, those, th that's heroism, right? That is, people who put their life on the line for the betterment of the people around them. Um, I don't know if the teachers that passed away, they were shot and killed in the situation, saved any of the children's lives. I hope that they did. Their, their, their death shall not be in vain, right? Um, back to the timeline. Uh, at 11.35, so we stopped at 11.33 where we started shooting. Uh, in room 11 and 12, more than 100 rounds. At 11.35, three police officers enter the school using the same exterior door that was used by the suspect. They are shortly thereafter followed by four other officers, a total of seven. So that now that there are seven officers that have entered the school. Uh, the first three officers went directly to the classroom door, which was locked, and uh, after which the suspect fired at the door. Um, and then two of the officers received grazing wounds. So there are 
Um, so you already know that there's an active shooter situation because two of your officers have now been struck by this um, by this gentleman. 1137, more gunfire. 16 rounds total were shot. 1140 and 1144, more gunfire. So there's just a, uh, this is now 10 minutes after the officers end. There's just gunfire that's going off. Um, 1151, two more officers arrive. Um, it's not known whether or not the officers went inside the school, but they is believed that they are. So 12.03, there's, there's just pouring. More officers are arriving, um, with, which there are believed to be as many as 19 officers inside the hallway now at this point. And then at that same moment, a, a woman calls 911 and whispers that she's in room 112. And it lasts, that call lasts one minute and 22 seconds. Um, and I'm assuming that the call that comes through is stating that there's an active shooter in the situation that they need help, right? Um, wait, I, I don't understand what's going on so far. There, the timeline so far is not making a lot of sense. And the stories that have come out afterwards are making even less sense. Uh, that's how you know people are lying about everything. Um, 12.10. The same woman calls in 911 again and says there are multiple people that are dead 12 13 the woman calls 911 again so that is now three calls in a 10 minute span um 12 15 members of the border patrol tactical unit arrive along with shields so shields mean like riot gear uh 12 16 the woman calls 911 for a fourth time saying that eight to nine students are alive so this is clearly uh i mean i'm assuming that in this school um I mean, it's a population of like 16,000 people, according to the 2020 census. Um, maybe there's like 10 to 15 kids in this. This I don't know. Um, 12, 19, a girl in room 111 calls 911, but hangs up when another student tells her to. This is a student that has a cell phone that is making a phone call and another student who is looking out for her safety. Because I can assure you if that student is found on the phone in the room with the gunman, that she is shot and killed on the spot. Um, that is incredible awareness from the other student. Like, incredible awareness from the other student. Uh, 1221, the suspect believed to be near the door fires again. Three shots can be heard during a 911 call. So this is why an active 911 call goes off, and there are shots going off. Uh, 1221 again, law enforcement moves down the hallway. 1236, 911 call lasting 21 seconds from a girl who had called before. The dispatcher tells her to stay on the line and be very quiet. The girl uh, says the suspect fired at the door. So now there is an open phone line that is keeping track of what's happening. That's being recorded, by the way. Any call that you make to emergency services, everything's being recorded. Um, yeah. So a time frame of 1243 to 1251. The same girl calls 911, asking to please send police now. At 1246, she says she can hear the police next door. So this, they're in the hallway. Mind you, uh, the police are making decisions about how they're going to approach in the situation. Um, there are, can be a lot of criticisms that are associated with how they handled themselves. Um, but they are definitely approaching the situation in which they believe the best. they're doing the best in that situation. Um, facts coming out afterwards definitely defeat that. Um, at 12.50, officers breached the door using keys from the janitor because both doors were locked. The suspect is shot and killed. That time frame, I don't know. There's a report that came in that said 
Um, a teacher inside unlocked the door. Um, why it took so long to get keys to this door, I don't know. Um, there was a situation in, in that where um, the spokesperson that was speaking on the situation they they said that they believed that the bore or the door was barricaded and there was no active shooter situation um i mean based on videos that are out there there are videos of parents that are outside um based off of uh recordings that were had um from live reports from people on the scene um that's a complete and utter lie from the the spokesperson that they believed that there was no active shooter because there are shots going off constantly um yeah it, crazy to me but that it's it speaks to like what they thought was going on um the officers that were on the scene were being told by the on-scene commander who was the resource officer um to not breach the door because there wasn't an active threat that was associated with this um there are parents outside that are screaming for help um, to, to help their children, to have the police officers take action in this situation, to be able to, um, you know, do what it is that they're supposed to do in that situation. Mind you, there, there is the resource officer that's on scene. There is a, um, the police force is there, uh, which I believe included the chief of police, um, there is a SWAT team that is in Uvalde, but it sounds like they were not there. Um, eventually, Border Patrol showed up. Um, if, you've, if you've ever had a chance to understand how uh, law enforcement works, or really government aspects, right? The most senior ranking official that is there is the one that takes charge of the situation. And that is an always situation. Um, the most senior person that's on the scene comes in, gets a brief on what's happening, and then takes control of the situation. That did not happen. Question is why. Um, obviously, there are some there's some things that are associated with how the police force do their work that is associated with that. Um, but that did not happen. And clearly, the resource officer was making poor judgment calls. Um, it it his his decision making was. A part of why 19 children and two teachers were shot and killed inside of a school um, that more wasn't done in order to stop this situation uh, yeah he it, there's no history behind this uh, this 18 year old why he did this or there's no documentation that says that he um, he should have been stopped or anything like that. There's nothing. There's no track record as to why this occurred. Um, the the kid snapped, as far as I can tell, and he took a lot from a lot of people. A lot of people, not just people that were directly affected by this, because clearly those people have lost way more than any of the rest of us are ever going to experience in that sense. Um, he he took a lot from you know a lot of the people that are out there and. And trying to understand what it is, uh, there was a report that came out afterwards of the one of the husbands for one of the teachers that was shot and killed. Two days afterwards, had a heart attack and died. Um, I, I, you're, I, I it's, it's not heartbreak, if you will. Um, it is, it, 
you know, like the quote-unquote heartbreak, um, it very clearly stress that stress that was brought on by this situation, um, and that's that's awful, right? The this this is incredible to think about. I am very 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 emotional about this. Uh, I have children of my own, right? Um, excuse me. Um, this happened, and uh, the next opportunity that I got to be with my children, which wasn't, mind you, um, it wasn't right then. Uh, it was the following morning. Uh, the details are slow to come out in that sense, but also I was at work, um, so I was unable to. I was able, unable to be with my children that day. Um, but anyway, I, I, I hugged my son, and I'm, I'm generally pretty careful about that. Like, listen, I realize that kids are pretty small, right? And they're, they are, uh, I'm much stronger, right? Uh, and I, and I squeezed my son, and I could hear, I could hear him struggling to breathe in that scenario. Um, I didn't want to let go. Like, I, I recognize the point that, like, hey, I need to lighten up on this hug because I can hear the, the, like, the slight gasp that are associated with this. Um, but I didn't want to let go. And when my daughter got home, I, I, she got home from school, right? Um, I, I hugged her for 10 minutes, right? I just, I, I couldn't possibly, right, put myself in that situation, right? I don't, that's a, the worst thing in the world, honestly, is a parent that loses a child, right? And that rings to that point for anybody that is a parent, right? If your children go to school, which a vast majority of us send our children off to a school, the expectation is that your student goes to school, is taught some, some small amount of life, whatever it may be, is taught some... Um, instructional aspects that are associated with whatever it is that they're studying and then they come home at the end of the day and we continue on with our lives not a single not a single person in this world thinks that you know what today's the day that my child doesn't come home right that is awful to think about uh it my chest hurts um i none of us want to ever experience that i i feel awful for the community in, in Uvalde, Texas. Uh, it's terrible, right? I, I, there's not enough words to be able to express my anger, my frustration, my sadness, um, my grief that are associated with this, right? Parents, spouses, grandparents, family members, brothers, sisters, cousins, close friends, right? It, it is not one group of people. Like, this is it's a shock to our communities, right, in a whole. I, I mean, I, I can't, can't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me why this would happen. There's, it's a, it's a tragedy among tragedies, right? We just talked about 
a, a premeditated aspect for a kid, 18 year old kid in Buffalo, New York, right? And then you come out a, a week and a half later and it's in Uvalde, Texas. It's not the first time that a school has ever been shot up. In fact, it's not the first time that I've been involved directly with something that happened like that. Uh, well, indirectly, I guess. Um, in 2001, there was a, um, a kid who he's been in prison ever since. Um, he brought a gun to school, um, a school called Santana High School. It's in San Diego, California. And um, the details are skipping me completely, right? But he came out of a bathroom and started shooting at people. Um, he, I, I know he, he definitely hit people. He killed a couple people. Um, and reports came out afterwards, you know, trying to figure out why it happened, what happened and everything like that. Um, it was conflicting reports uh, that was associated with that. Uh, my girlfriend at the time. She was at the school when it happened, right? So I got to get her account for what happened. Uh, she, she was not affected. Um, but, you know, it was, a, it was bullying. Bullying is the reason that he did this. Well, it came out afterwards. Like, turns out he was actually a pretty, pretty heavy hitter in the bully compartment. He, he very, very, very much liked to pick on people and stuff like that. So, yeah, what, what was the real reason behind it? I don't. The parents, you know, it sounded like the parents were full-time workers and most of the people, like, listen, my parents were full-time workers growing up and stuff like that. We often came home from school and we were by ourselves and, and everything. So, you know, people try to blame this on loneliness and everything, blah, 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 blah. That's a load of bullshit in my opinion. Um, but, you know, that situation happened and it was, like, less than, less than six months later that the Granite Hills High School... Uh, shooting that occurred and it was two gentlemen and this was like the long trench coat aspect they had shotguns in their trench coats and came into school and it's, it's a high school that's in the san diego area and started shooting at people but you know like it's not the first time that i've experienced this or anything like that um i have since grown and uh my priorities have changed um so experiencing something where this happens, uh, you know, like 1,500, 2,000 miles away from where I'm at right now. It, it hits very close to home. Um, I'm incredibly emotional about this situation. It's, it's a tough one. I don't like it. I don't, I don't know why these things have to happen. There speaks to an argument that says, like, hey, why do people need automatic weapons? I... I as a person that supports the Second Amendment as a registered gun owner, um, I don't understand the purpose behind it. I've, I've never, never understood the purpose behind it. Um, I see the purpose behind pistols and rifles and shotguns and stuff like that, and, that, and that's the kind of things that I'm willing to support, um, but I don't see the, the point behind um, having any automatic rifles or semi-automatic rifles for that matter. Like what their purpose is now there are there are some sport shooting that goes along with this um but those are very 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 limited in that scenario um do i think that act having had these things not available to these two situations 
would they have stopped them? Um, there's a lot of speculation behind that. It's two 18-year-old kids that chances are likely they would not have gotten access to them. Um, now, the mo modifying them, that's a completely different story. Um, so who knows? I mean, ultimately, we all recognize that if somebody's going to commit a crime, they're going to do it whether or not there are rules in place that are associated with it, right? Um, yeah, I, I'm hurting. This is a, it's an awful situation, both of them. I, I, I feel for the people in Buffalo, New York, that is terrible. Driven by an absolute maniac of a person who, who has ideology that I could never comprehend. And doesn't make any sense. Um, and then to the community within Uvalde, Texas. Um, I, I hope that something comes of this that brings some closure for these people. Uh, I don't know what that closure is going to be. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if there's a right or a wrong answer in all of these situations. I'm not going to pretend like... Uh, like, oh, if I if I go and talk about this one side of the story, right? Ban all guns, blah blah. Like, I'm not I'm not on that. Um, I'm also not on the uh, the category of people that said, well, this is a basic right that's associated with uh, the Constitution, and therefore uh, these are my guns, and you can't take them, right? Come on, use some common sense that it's associated with this. Stop being such an extremist. I, I don't. I don't. It's tough, right? And uh. Life is going to continue. Uh, that doesn't change because of what happened. However, the way that we process information and how we look at situations is going to change. I hope that something good comes from all of this. I don't know. I don't know what that could be. And I'm not trying to say like, oh, you know, because uh, because this happened, there has to be good things that come from it. No, no I meant like, the, re the reaction that's associated with this. I hope it causes positive change going forward that we can reduce this kind of thing. Um, this is very much a, a, an issue that's associated with our society um, and our society. And by, by that, I mean the people that is uh, that, that are within the United States. Um, now, mind you, this is not a problem wholly wholly associated with the United States, right? It is more publicized because we are uh, a first world country um, and there's a lot of media that coverage that happens. There are way worse things that happen in different parts of the world that there is less media coverage. I'm not naive to that point, nor do I ignore it. Um, but there's got to be an improvement, right? There, those people that went to the grocery store, they didn't do anything wrong that day. Maybe some of them were really bad people and they're, they're adults or something like that. They didn't deserve to have what happened to them that day. Nothing about that situation made sense. Those kids, those two teachers that were in Uvalde, Texas, they did nothing wrong. Nothing about that. They didn't deserve any of it, right? I hope that I'm able to express myself and formulate opinions and thought processes that make sense towards these situations. I hope that I'm going to have the uh, ability to be courageous enough to talk to my kids about this one day. Um, my kids are blind to that point. It's not that I don't want to talk to them about it. And to be honest, uh, a lot of times 
my daughter comes home from school and she talks to me about situations, right? Um, she hasn't talked to me about this. This is a very severe situation. I hope that schools start being more proactive towards keeping outside people out. Um, I know that there's a lot of situations where people, there are different ways to do this, right? The back door being propped open, um, that is, uh, that is an awful situation that happened. I don't know if there are card reader access um, for students and staff alike at this school to, to allow people to get in and then a screening that happens if you're not. I know that happens in my area. I know it's associated with my, uh, my children's school. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know, uh, but I hope that there's action. If you are a taxpayer in an area, a county, and there are bills that come up that are uh, supposed to help the schools, Maybe the money is for renovations. Um, maybe the money is for upgrades or, or whatever it is. There's a lot of people who are against spending money on schools, and I don't fucking understand it. I am completely and utterly in on supporting the schools that are in our area. They are the backbone for what it is that our children learn, and they are a strong aspect associated with how our children conduct themselves in this world. Even if you don't have children, listen, I understand. I don't have children. It doesn't affect me. Well, guess what? It actually does affect you. Money spent on schools in the area has been proven to uh, improve the overall society in that area, right? The average income comes up, goes up because education goes up, right? Facilities are going to be better and therefore your students are able to, to learn better and therefore it improves your town, your city, your county, right? It's... Ah, uh, it's been a that's been a frustration of mine, and the, but that just leads back into the situation, right? I hope there is funding that goes into these schools to help them get what it is that they need to get. Um, the the cameras, the card access, the um, emergency aspect that is associated with the schools. You know, schools practice active shooter situations, right? Um, that wasn't a thing when I was a child, so this is. This has become a problem in the last 20 years. Um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm in pain, right? I'm in a lot of pain. I hope that I was able to express myself adequately for this situation. I hope that you all are trying to find ways to be able to achieve what it is that is necessary for our society to continue to move forward. Um, and I, I hope that there's some, there's some positive things that you can inflict upon your society to help prevent this kind of thing from happening again because it's terrible. It's tragic. Ah. Sorry. Um, I'm very emotional about this situation. Um, if you didn't know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be wrapping up here. Okay. Um, you can find me on all my different socials. There is uh, Instagram, that is Klamath TV. Uh, there is Twitter, that is Klamath underscore, that is K-L-A-M-M-A-T-H underscore. Um, you can find me on Hover, Klamath. Um, you can find my podcast on all of the different listening platforms, um, with the exception of possibly Apple, uh, which I have been... Um, 
trying to uh, approve. So that'll be out. It'll be on Apple Podcasts here soon. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry. There's just a there's a lot of bad going on, and it it truly affects me. Thank you for hanging out with me. Thank you for listening to this situation. Um, and I hope that going forward, you have some positives that happen in your life, and and every day you're inflicting positive change for other people. Thank you. Love you much. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks for listening to Native Notion. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, keep up with Klamath by following him on Twitch, Hover, and Twitter. All links are in the show notes. Until next time.